God is the God of the universe. God is the God of everybody. And that is what John was referring to when he said that the one that does not love does not know God. But the confidence that you must have in the word of God from within, that deep assurance, heaven is a state of happiness which comes as a result of living a useful life. The heavenly pursuit is usefulness. The heavenly pursuit is love. The wisdom of God, it is universal. It is universal because it does not belong to a certain set. Hallelujah. Okay, so we've been considering called by his name. And yesterday I spoke to us about how that there is a purpose for us, each and every one of us. And why it is necessary to know this purpose. We discussed how knowing our purpose is supposed to serve as the motivation to work with God for the sake of our transformation. Is that the case? Yes. And then I believe that we all came to the conclusion that it is important that we find out what God made us not just to be, but also to do. Or uh, it hasn't sunk well. So, they want to continue from where we left off yesterday. In the scriptures, one of the things that you find God talk about concerning the people of Israel is the fact that there is a place where he has placed his name and specifically he spoke about the temple so God placed his name in the temple and then also he spoke about the city where the temple was found. And that is the city of Jerusalem. Hallelujah. So among the Jewish people, the Lord says that Jerusalem is where he has placed his name. And in Jerusalem, specifically, it is the temple that his name has been placed. And it's not just a statement that the Lord wanted to make. It is because of what it means for the Lord to place his name somewhere. Hallelujah. Now, in the scriptures, name represents the nature of a thing. Actually, in spiritual things, names are derived from nature. It is in the material world that at times, there is a name given that does not correspond to the nature. So you find people bearing wonderful names, but doing strange things. When we were in nursery school, there was this boy called Kofi Yesu. 
and he was the most rascal boy in the school. So the teachers used to call him Kofi Abonsam. And it's because the name does not fit. You get it. But in the spiritual realm, you find that such a person will be called Kofi Abonsam there because his name will be derived from his nature. Do you get it? Even in this earthly realm, the names we give to things is an attempt to describe the thing. Do you get it? Uh, so in some cases, we give names to describe a thing, like people that make resorts. Okay, they try to give a name to indicate what you will gain when you come to the place. So they say when you come, you will chill and become happy. So they find a name that goes along with it. Please you understand that? Yes. Or when you come, you see the beach. So they add it. When you come, you see the Adomi Bridge. <laughs> so there's a place called Bridge View Resort. You see, because when you start there, you see the Adomi Bridge. So we try to give names to describe the nature of a place. But spiritually speaking, the names that are given in the spiritual are more accurate. They describe more accurately the things that are being spoken about. Hallelujah. Yes. So when God talks about his name, it is talking about his person and what constitutes his person. And in this case, we know that the person of God is made up of the divine love and the divine wisdom. Hallelujah. The divine love and the divine wisdom. That is the person of God. So when God says that this is the place that I have placed my name, then he's saying that this is the place where I have placed my divine love and my divine wisdom. Hallelujah. So when you come to such a place, what you will discover is the divine wisdom within which is the divine love. Is that okay? So let's read from Deuteronomy chapter 12. Then we appreciate a few things there. These are the statutes and judgment which ye shall observe to do in the land, concerning the land of promise, which the Lord God of thy fathers giveth thee to possess it all the days that ye live upon the earth. Ye shall utterly destroy all the palaces wherein the nations which ye shall possess served their gods upon the high mountains and upon the hills, and under every green tree. And ye shall overthrow their altars, and break their pillars, and burn their groves with fire. This is an indication that, you see, where God wants to come and dwell, the enemy settled there. That's the nature of the promised land. Is that the case? The enemies were there already. So where God wants to dwell inside you, the enemy is there. So. God is telling them that when they get to the promise, that they must destroy all the things that pertain to the enemy so that there will be room for God. Is that okay? All right. It says, and burn their groups with fire, and ye shall hew down the graven images of their gods 
and destroy the names of them out of that place. Ye shall not do so unto the Lord your God. Now, this is an important thing because here, God is pointing out that the way they serve their idols anywhere and they had different, different places. He said that your own will not be like that. Hallelujah. Please, you understand that? So your own will not be like that. Let's go. But unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all your tribes to put his name there, even unto his habitation shall ye seek, and thither thou shalt come. So you will not be moving here in the grooves and things as the Gentiles who previously dwelt in the promised land did. But you rather are going to seek God. You are going to come to God at the place where God will choose to place his name. Hallelujah. So that's what God is telling them. Verse 6. And thither ye shall bring your burnt offering. So this place where God will choose to place his name uh, that is where you are going to bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices and your tithes and heave offerings of your hand and your vows and your free will offerings and the first links of your hairs and of your flocks. And there ye shall eat before the Lord your God and ye shall rejoice in all that ye put your hand unto, ye and your households, wherein the Lord thy God had blessed thee. So now there is a place where God will place his name. And he's saying that that is where you come. That is where you offer all your offerings. Hallelujah. Now this place in the promised land was the city of Jerusalem where the temple was built. Hallelujah. So now that temple becomes the specific place where God can be found. Now if God is dealing with the Israelites. He is dealing with them according to correspondences. It means that geographically speaking, on this earth, there is something about the city of Jerusalem that allows for there to be a correspondence between heaven and the earth. Please understand that. So that is why God wanted that particular city. He didn't say, choose a place where you meet me. This is the place that I will choose. Hallelujah. And then also when the temple was built, it was built according to specifications. And those specifications are also supposed to mirror heaven such that there will be a correspondence between the temple and how it has been built and heaven. It is because of this correspondence that God could actually deal with the nation of Israel. Amen. It's because of this correspondence. So he chose the city of Jerusalem where the temple was placed. And he said that this is where my name is. It means that this is the place that when you come, you will find me. Hallelujah. Because where his name is, is where his nature is. When we talk of the name of God, it's not God. It is who he is. His love and wisdom from that love. So if he placed his name in Jerusalem, then it is love and wisdom from that love that will be found in Jerusalem. And everything that belongs to God goes forth out of love and wisdom. Hallelujah. So he said, you come to Jerusalem to offer your sacrifices. You come to Jerusalem to do all the things that pertain to your worship because that is where 
I have placed my name. Hallelujah. And like I said, there is something about Jerusalem as a city and also the nature of the temple that was built that allows for that correspondence to take place. In other words, if God would dwell in a place, the place should be built such that God can actually come and dwell there. Hallelujah. God can actually come and dwell there. So now this city where God will place his name, actually spiritually speaking, it speaks of the Lord Jesus. So God was talking to them about something, about how he is going to walk the earth and how that his name will be placed in the human. I will explain. So this city is Jerusalem. That is where God will place his name. Amen. And specifically Jerusalem because that is where the temple will be built. Amen. And God, when he walked the earth and he took the human, the human that God took became the temple. Actually, that is the temple that the Old Testament temples spoke about. So the Old Testament temples, they were a testimony of the actual temple of God. Hallelujah. Jesus said that you will destroy this temple and in three days it shall be built. And he spoke of himself as the temple. Hallelujah. So the temple in Jerusalem spoke of the human that God was going to take. The human that God was going to use to walk the earth. Hallelujah. And the idea is that this temple, as it is built according to specifications, this human that God is going to take and walk the earth with will also be constructed in such a way that it will fit the divine specifications. And because of that, the divine will be able to dwell in that human. Hallelujah. So Paul, in talking about Jesus, says that he lowered himself even to dying on the cross. Hallelujah. And he said that wherefore God had highly exalted him, speaking about the human, and giving him a name that is above every name. That name is the name of God. Hallelujah. So here Paul is talking about the name of the divine as it has been placed in the human that the divine took. So then the glorification of the human. Hallelujah. Wherefore God had highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. Now that name is the name of God. And in this context, it is the name of the divine, which is God, as it has been imparted to the human that God used to walk the earth. So the human has been glorified. Hallelujah. Now, as he told them that it is this temple or this place where I place my name, that is where you must bring your sacrifices. In the same way, this human, which has been glorified or which has received the name of God, it is this human that we come to. Hallelujah. So in Deuteronomy, God, even though he spoke to them in the letter, spiritually speaking, he was talking about the human of Jesus being glorified and how men will have to approach that human because it is in that human that his name has been placed. Please you understand that? So now if you were looking for God, you go to where his name is. And as we are looking for God, we are asked that we go to him in the human, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So then Jesus is our God. Please, does that make sense? So now that speaks of Jerusalem specifically and the temple in Jerusalem. It speaks of Jesus 
and him being glorified. And because of that, now we also go to him in obedience. Hallelujah. And as we go to him in obedience, we have the full benefit of that which the Lord has for us. So that is the first point. Hallelujah. So the glorified Jesus is that place where God places his name. Because I don't want you to think there's a difference between God and Jesus. We are talking about the divine and the human. So this human that God took, he did not leave the human behind. He placed his name in the human. And so now the human was also made divine. And that is where God has placed his name. But the interesting thing is that according to the relationship that the people were to have with him as he has placed his name in Jerusalem, the people also became a people who are called by the name of God. So Israel are a people who are called by the name of God and it is because of their relationship with the place where God has placed his name. So it's not just Jerusalem where God placed his name, but when Jerusalem is in the midst of the Jewish people, the Jewish people also become a people upon whom the Lord has placed his name. Amen. Now remember that the name of the Lord is his nature. And that is the divine love and the divine wisdom. So then, as the divine love and the divine wisdom is found in the human of the Lord Jesus, and it means that that human has been glorified, we also, when we approach him as our high priest, we also, in the same way, are able to bear the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. But just as the temple in Jerusalem was, it was not there to bear the name of God just like that. So, so this is where God is. So God is there. No. It became a place where people who were looking for God will go and look for him. Hallelujah. So when God puts his name in a place, it is so that he may be found by those who are looking for him. Hallelujah. When God puts his name in a place, the reason why he has put his name there is so that he may be found by those who are looking for him. So if then God places his name on the people that worship him, which becomes his children, which becomes the church, and in the Old Testament, it was the Jewish people, then it means that when men are looking for God, God is to be found in those that he has placed his name on. So if God has placed his name upon you, then if I'm looking for God, then I should be able to find that nature of God that has been placed upon you. I should be able to find it in you, so that I may be blessed by it. Please you understand that? So that's the idea. Now, let's read something from Isaiah concerning how that God places his name. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 6 and 7. It says, I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from afar, and my daughters from the ends of the earth even everyone that is called by my name. Now, think about it. Even everyone that is called by my name. It's not like, oh, we call you Jesus. No. It means that 
there is something of God that has been placed inside you. Hallelujah. Remember, in spiritual things, names are derived from what the person has become or what the person is. So if you are called by the name of God, then it means that God can be found in you. Hallelujah. It means that God can be found in you. And that's what God is talking about here. He said, even everyone that is called by my name. Now, look at the colon. How is a person called by my name? For I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. So he created him for his glory. What is glory? The manifestation of God. How many of us know that God created us for his glory? All right. Now this is glory, that he may be manifested in you for anyone who is looking for God to benefit. Hallelujah. All right. So if God is regenerating a person, the purpose is his glory. Hallelujah. The purpose is his glory. The purpose is not like, oh, so the person will be fine. No, the purpose is his glory. So that God may be manifestly declared through that person. That is why God is forming that person. Hallelujah. It means that anybody that God is working on, there is a certain aspect of God that that person is supposed to be expressing. It means that if God is working on you, God is working on you, if you are being transformed, and I'm looking for God in a certain way, do you understand that? It is you that I'm going to come to, to receive that thing that I'm looking for from God. Hallelujah. If then there is an issue, if there is a problem, if there is something to deal with, and it is God that must deal with it, it is God who is manifestly declared in a person who will deal with it. It means that if that person has been formed by God, if that person has been prepared by God, then that person will stand and express God in the way that God wants to go forth. And now that issue will be dealt with. In the same way, if we are here and we are dealing with issues and there is an issue where the man or the woman who God would actually pass through to deal with that issue. If that man is not giving himself or that woman is not giving himself to God, then we'll find that we will be in a situation and we will say, where is God? Hallelujah. We will say that, where is God? We will cry to God, right? And we'll say, where is God? But if men give themselves for transformation and they give themselves for the purpose for which they were brought into this earth, then when we say, where is God? God will say that this is where I have placed my name concerning this thing. That is what God will say. God will direct us to where he has placed his name. Hallelujah. God will direct us to where he has placed his name. God will bring to us for instance, in heaven, when you want to know something, like maybe you want to understand something about God, and that is your desire, you will find that in that moment where your desire is up to understand something, somebody will be walking towards you. Hallelujah. That is what you find. Somebody will be walking towards you, and that person will come to you and talk to you and help you see what it is that you were trying to see from God. It is not God that will walk towards you. Hallelujah. 
It is not God that will work towards you. It is another man that will work towards you. If you need help in the world of spirit, if you need help in any form in heaven, and that is your desire, it is another man that will work towards you. And once that desire is there, you will find that automatically that person will work towards you. Hallelujah. So two things, the desire for help, right? And then the one who has been prepared to offer that help, they must find each other. And that is how God operates. If you are looking for God, there is a place where God places his name. If you are looking to know God in a certain way, there is a man that God has given an understanding to. When Philip got to the Ethiopian, you know, and he was reading from the scriptures, he said, do you understand what you are reading? He said, no, I don't understand. How can I understand except a man will teach me, except a man will explain to me? Hallelujah. And that is a typical example of one who is reading something and desires understanding. And the Spirit of God caught Philip up and brought him into contact with that Ethiopian eunuch. Hallelujah. Imagine Philip was not prepared. Imagine Philip had not given himself for the transformation that was necessary. You will find that there will be a deficit. There will be a man that desires understanding and will be crying to God for understanding, but it will be as though God is not minding the person. And it is not the case. The reason is that there is not a man or the man that God sent into this world for that purpose has not given himself to that work, has not given himself to that transformation. So there is a deficiency. Anytime we say, where is God? The actual question should be, where is the man that God originally sent? That should be the actual question. So you look at yourself and what it is that God called you to be, and how that maybe you have not focused on it. It means that when there is a deficiency which you must supply, the problem is not that God is not available. The problem is that the man that God called and said that this is where I'm going to place my name, that man has been unavailable to God. And because of that, the name of God that needs to be expressed is not being expressed. Hallelujah. Somebody said God is not in heaven. And everybody says he's preaching heresy. Right? But God is not in heaven. God is not in heaven. It is men that are in heaven. When I say men, angels that are in heaven. God is above heaven. Imagine God creates heaven and comes to stay there as what? So, but the Bible says that the throne of God is in heaven. It is because you don't know what throne is. If you understood throne as the wisdom and the authority that comes from that wisdom, you get it. Then you calm down because then you know that then the throne of God is there. So, but the Bible says God is in heaven. Of course, God is in heaven because he's in the men that are in heaven. And when a man looks for God in heaven, another man will come and express that God to him. When a man looks for God in a certain way in heaven, another man will come and then express it and then move. Hallelujah. So we will be living in heaven. Expressing God one to the other. Hallelujah. 
expressing God one to the other. When you wanted to understand, is it not a man that taught you? Yes. That's then the reality. It means that if there is no man, what God wants to do will not be done. It will be slowed down. And say, why is God delaying? That's not a good question. Where are the men that God planned to use? Where are they? What did they do? You. That you are asking, why is God delaying? Like, why is God not building his church fast enough? He's trying to convince you about a few things. See how you are doing merry-go-round with God. Dilly darling, right? Hallelujah. So, God places his name in men. And every one of us have been made to have the name of God in a unique way. Hallelujah. Did you understand that? Every one of us, that is the vessel thing. It is to bear the name of God. Have you seen that scripture in Revelation? Revelation chapter 2. Verse 17. It says that he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. It says to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, huh? and in the stone a new name. Hallelujah. A new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. Hallelujah. When you read this, you will assume that it is a name that nobody can know. Because you think that knowing is just to know, right? No. To know is to appropriate. It's a name that is unique to you. That is why no one knows it. It is a name that is unique to your vessel. It is the Lord that is manifested in you in a certain way. And that name, he does not give it to you for yourself. In the same way that when he placed his name in Jerusalem, representing the Lord, the Lord, what he becomes in terms of the divine human, is not for himself. It is for our sake. Is that not the case? It is for our sake. In the same way, anyone in whom the Lord places his name, it is not for himself. It is for the sake of those who will come and call upon the name of God from that person. It is for the sake of those who will need the Lord in that regard. So as you are sitting here, there is a way that God must dwell in you that will benefit all of us and the whole world. There is a way that you must know the Lord that is for our benefit. Actually, everything the Lord will make you, it is for our benefit. Your benefit in it is that you serve our benefit. Hallelujah. Now, this name, Paul calls it an endowment, a gift. Because it's an endowment, a gift. So this name, it does not originate from a man. It is not the man himself. It is the Lord who is present 
in a special way in that man. So when the man operates in this name, he operates as one who has been gifted, who has been endowed from above. Because we are not looking for you. It is God we are looking for. Hallelujah. So when you operate according to the name you have received from God, it is God that then goes out of you and we are able to receive blessings from him. Hallelujah. It is for our benefit. It is called endowment. It is called a gift. And every man was made by God to be gifted. When I say gifted, I don't mean natural gift. I'm talking about spiritual endowment. Because it is God that we are looking for. It is the hand of God that we are looking for. And every one of us has been made to express the hand of God in a certain way. That is the uniqueness of your vessel, to express the hand of God in a certain way. God's desire is that his name may be found in you. You were made specifically for a certain name in God. Yesterday I explained to you that the angels, they are nature because it is derived from God. Because who they are, it is God that dwells in them. Every angel has an L behind their name. And it is because what they are, it is from God. So if an angel comes to you, it is God that has come to you. Hallelujah. In the same way, according to the endowment you have received, according to the name that you have received, when you go forth in that name, it is God that comes towards others. Hallelujah. Like the hymn said that, now praise we great and famous men, the fathers named in story. And praise the Lord who now as then reveals in man his glory. So it was men that acted. But because the hand of God was upon those men, because the name of God was in those men, when they acted, we knew that God had visited us. In the same way, when Paul went to a certain city and he did one or two things, they said, the gods have visited us. Why? Because what he did, he did according to a divine endowment. It is not a normal man's work. It is according to the gift of God that he has received. And that gift is for the profiting of without. It is not for himself. So when God is constructing a man for the sake of his name, what he's doing is that he's looking for a vessel for the benefit of others. Hallelujah. Please you understand that. So as I concentrate on being a vessel for the benefit of others, you must also concentrate on being a vessel for the benefit of others. It means then that if I don't consider what I want or what I need, and my focus is on being a vessel for the benefit of others, others also who focus on being a vessel for the benefit of others will end up acting for my benefit. Please you understand that? It means then that if what God gave to me is not for my profit, but for your profit, then what God gave to you will be for my profit. Do you understand that? That is the idea. That is the nature of heaven. It's called mutual service. Mutual service. I serve you, you serve me. When you are looking for God in the way that God has made me and the gift that God has given to me, you will come and find God in that gift. When I'm also looking for God, 
I must find a gift from God inside you that will be of benefit to me. Hallelujah. Because my gift is not for my benefit. It is for your benefit. That is the nature of the place that God puts his name. It is for the sake of those who come to look for God. So what I become as a vessel of God is for the sake of those who come to look for God. And what you become as a vessel of God is for the sake of those who come to look for God. It means that there is a certain way that I will need God that you will be the one to supply. And there's a certain way that you will need God that I will be the one to supply. There's a certain way that you need God that the one sitting by you will be the one to supply. It is important to understand this because that is the nature of the workings of God. That is the nature of the workings of God. The place where he places his name, it is so that others will come and benefit. Hallelujah. It is so that others will come and benefit. So when God said, I will give you a name that no one knows, except you that you are receiving it, it is for the expression of God. When God is glorified in a man, the one benefiting is not the man. Those that receive that glory out of that man are those that benefit. And when there is no man through whom God will be expressed, God cannot be found. God cannot be found. If you look at it, then you realize that there's a lot of deficiency in the system. Because then, not many people are actually looking at how they may offer their vessels to God. That is why the greatest act of selflessness is to offer your vessel for consecration so that you may be of use to others. I know that some of us offer our vessels for consecration so that sin will not be in our lives and God will like us. But that's not how it works. There is no reason to offer your vessel for consecration. There is no reason to offer yourself for spiritual transformation except the uses that you perform. In the spirit, I can't find any other good reason. So if your reason is not the uses that you will perform, you will find that it becomes difficult for you to actually walk the path of consecration. When you think that, hey, they say if we don't do this, we'll lose this. So it's about what you fear you will lose. You'll find that you will be going in circles because that is not the reason why we give ourselves for transformation. We give ourselves for regeneration so that God may be glorified in us. It is explained in the scripture we read from Isaiah that those that God makes, he makes them for his glory. Hallelujah. He makes them for his glory. That is the reason why God forms a man. That's the reason why God regenerates a man, for his glory. Hallelujah. Please you understand that? For his glory. And it is proven when God was glorified in the human, it was for our sake. It was not for the sake of the human. God showed us. He became a high priest, a faithful high priest for our sake. In the same way, the business with which we are approaching our regeneration, it is for the sake of others. 
so that they also may come to us and drink of the fountain of the water of life according to the unique way that God has placed that fountain in us. Hallelujah. There is a fountain that must come out of you because of your connection to the chief fountain. That is why we are called the body of Christ and Christ is the head. The head needs a body to express itself. Without the body, the head cannot be found. The wisdom of God cannot be found. The ways of God cannot be found. The works of God cannot be found, except there is a man. God's work cannot be found. It means that if there is a work that God must do, even in your life, it is a man that he will send. Hallelujah. And if that man is nowhere to be found, if he is sitting under a certain tree, singing songs to himself and worrying about his own life and how he does not have money in his pocket and how he does not have a job. And that is all that his life is about. Meanwhile, creation is waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God, those in whom the Lord has placed his name. Hallelujah. I know that we are taught everything that we must give energy to pursue. The reason for it is that we are the ones that gain. So we do it for ourselves. And because of that, we think that regeneration, we do it for ourselves. But we don't do regeneration for ourselves. The whole life we want to enter into, they don't do anything for themselves there. So your motivation for your regeneration can never be yourself. It cannot be that you want to make it to heaven. That's why you want to be regenerated. Hallelujah. That's the reason why some of us, we think of, hey, there are three heavens. Hey, I don't want to be the lower one. No. I want to be at the up there. It's for yourself. And we see that in the two sons of Zebedee whose mother brought them and said, look, let my two children, one sit at your right and one sit at your left. Why? Because they think that the mother is looking for inheritance for her children. Hallelujah. But that is not the point. We don't push to be transformed by God so that we'll be fine. We don't look for holiness for ourselves. We look for holiness for the sake of the brethren. We look for holiness for the sake of the men of the earth. We go through what we go through and we give ourselves to suffer what we suffer so that God can dwell in us for the sake of others. That is what love is. Greater love has no man than this, right? That a man should lay down his life for his life. That is the whole point. So if you want to come to the place where you can lay down your life for others, it is through the process of regeneration. So that is what we consider. Hallelujah. That is what we consider. That is what we consider. It is for the sake of the brethren, for the sake of the kingdom. When the Bible says, seek ye first his kingdom, it is your role, what you give to the kingdom. And the kingdom is the kingdom of God in men. So what you will supply. Hallelujah. That is our life. We sacrifice not so that we'll get something for ourselves. Anybody that operates that way is in error. We sacrifice so that we will get something for others. 
a name will be placed in us for the sake of others. Like if today I saw that medical students have graduated. Right? I saw it on an my status. And I saw a video. A woman was saying, inject my veins. I said, hey! <laughs> the woman is so impressed with doctors. So he's like, the doctor should just inject her veins and she'll be happy. You see? So now the doctor must ask himself or herself a question. All this school that you went to, for whose sake did you go to school? All the suffering. See, medical school, you suffer, right? All the suffering. For whose sake were you suffering? you find that our answer to this question will be wrong, right? Because as you were suffering, for you to be motivated to continue suffering, you look at what you will gain. That's why when you come and there's not a lot, you say, hey, we have to find somewhere to go. <laughs> and God has made it that when men suffer, they suffer for the sake of others. That is the right way. When you go through things, it is so that others will stand to benefit. It's not for yourself. In my studies, I discovered that in heaven, those that teach, they are normally in the second heaven. You see. So, me too, I like to teach. You see. So then I conclude, okay, then that's where I'm going. Because I want to teach people. I see use in that, right? So that's where I'm going. Or I should go to the highest heaven. I don't see what I'm going to do there. At least I see that I want to teach people because I know that in heaven, people teach people. Yeah, so I want to continue this work. The end is in the certain heaven. Do you see? Yeah. Is that? <laughs> you make it. <laughs> My point is that it's not for your sake. Even heaven that you are going, it's not for your sake. Is for the sake of those that are waiting for God to be expressed through you. That's how you should be thinking. Somebody else will be thinking rather about what you will need from God. That's somebody else's work. Hallelujah. I'm showing you the way to be gifted and the way to be endowed. It's for the sake of others. So your regeneration, that's how you think about your regeneration. So that God may be glorified in you, that God may be seen of men. That's what Jesus said. We are the light of the world, a city that is set on the hill. So that God may be declared in you. That is you. You are a vessel. That's what you are. You are not any adaptive. You are a vessel. You are a member of his body. Body is for expression. If you shall cleanse yourself from these things, so when the vessel is cleansing himself or herself, it is so that he may be used as what? A vessel of honor. It's not for you. If it is for you, there's some Charlie honor in 
being able to express God in a certain way, you will find that you don't qualify. You will find that you don't qualify. Because it is not about the honor. It is about those that will receive God from you. Those that will drink from the fountain that God has placed inside you. That is how it works. Hallelujah. So we've been called to give ourselves to labors. You see, if you understand this, you know what then should be your motivation for prayer. You see, you know what should be your motivation for healing. The only thing that you can leverage to call upon the name of God is uses. I know you won't understand. I know you may find it. Ah, but God, don't you know? <laughs> it's because everything that you will need from God, eh, it is not outside divine uses. So when you don't seek for it, motivated by uses, you are in error. It is not that God, this thing, can, I need it, but it's not necessarily for uses, and then you don't want to give it to me. No, everything that a man will need, at the base of it is so that he may be useful. It's true. We talk about how when you go to God, there must be desire, right? What's the nature of that desire? What's the nature of that desire? Remember, ends, causes, and effects. What's the nature of that desire? What's the desire you have? What is motivating you? It can be your selfish interest. That's why you are going to God. Or it can also be the interest of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Yes. Like if you want God to heal you, it can be so that you feel good in your body. Do you see? Or it can be that you want to be able to offer service. The second one is the actual reason why you must go to God for healing. The first one is not a good enough reason. And also, oh, God doesn't want me to feel good. No, if you want to go to God just so you feel good in your body, you find that an evil desire enters it. It's like recipe for disaster. By all means, there will be an evil desire entering it. But if you go to God looking for what you're looking for so you can be useful, no evil desire can enter it. Why? Because if you want to feel good, evil people also want to feel good. Do you understand that? So if you want to feel good cannot be a good reason why or the desire that is driving you to go looking for God. The desire that does not allow any evil desire to enter huh, is a desire that pertains to uses. I hope you understand. You see, we are going to have to tie everything to uses. For instance, when I look at myself, I came from a certain place, okay? A place where I looked at the possibility of death. And then I realized that I didn't want to die. But then God showed me that the reason why I didn't want to die was wrong. And it was because I feared death. And the reason I feared death was that I considered my life to be in the body. So we started the process. And this was the process. The process of coming to the place where I don't see my life in the body. And because of that, I don't fear dying. You understand that? 
And that if you die, where do you go to? Is it not where we are all going to? Is that not the case? Okay. Now, when I got there, then God came to convince me that it is important to live. You see? Why? Then he showed me that there are things I need to do. So my wanting to live and to continue here for a while is based on what it is that I'm trying to do. Anytime I think of, hey, you have to take care of yourself, it is so that I'll continue with what I'm doing. And then, then you understand Paul when he said that, look, I would rather I go back. If I'm here, it's for your sake. You see, it's not a special man's language. That is how it should be. Not that you eat salt. That's what they say, right? So No, you think about it. But I'll talk about this even more because I believe that if we get it, it will help us. Hallelujah. You see, I believe that this is also another loose end that we must tie when it comes to our regeneration process. It's so that we can be something. Hallelujah. And every one of us has something to offer. And that's why I want to overcome. I want to turn away from evils. Because if we don't, God can be expressed to us. If God can be expressed to us, then those that need God cannot find God. So what do we do? Like for instance, see, I told that the first gift that the Lord gave me was the gift of teaching. Let me explain to you this gift. You think that is the ability to explain things, but it's not. It's not. Let me tell you an interesting thing. You see that people come and stand here and teach you. Do you see? But me too, I come and stand here and teach you. In fact, there's a difference. Some of them may even come and teach you things that I don't even know. But when I teach you the things I know, there's a difference. It's not that they are not teaching you to an endowment. I'm just saying that there are differences in the endowment. You understand that? And then some people's endowment, they started a long time ago. Now, I'm showing you the difference. The difference is not in the ability to explain scripture. There's a supernatural element to every gift. You see, we do it in the natural. We speak. Speaking is natural, right? But there is an element to it that addresses you in a certain way that you know it is God that is dealing with you. It is not the ability to explain things. Hallelujah. It is not the ability to explain things. There is a lot more that goes on. There's a lot more. Hallelujah. And there's a mind that works. That mind is part of the gift. It's part of the endowment. There's a mind that works. There's a mind that understands things in a certain way. There's a mind that understands the people that are being spoken to in a certain way. Please understand that. There's a mind. That mind is the lost mind. That is lent to the one that has that gift. There's a mind that approaches learning in a certain way. That is also given by God. So even when we take the grace to teach people the word of God, it is not just that you come and explain. In it is the ability to learn in a way that the ordinary man cannot learn. And that is why, as we are here, and so far as what God is doing with me continues, 
no matter what you learn in your house, you have to come for me to teach you. You try it. I can show you everything I learned. And me, I do. Even when I discover somebody that is blessed, I tell the pastors, oh, then by the time everybody knows, books I'm reading, everybody has it. When you finish reading it, I'll teach you. It's true. It's because there's a gift. Remember, I said, what I must do is for you. It means that you will not find God in your closet in such a way that I become redundant. That. Job security. <laughs> Look, at times I've been in my closet finding something from God. And it's obvious to me that it's a man that I must be finding. So in our attempt to find God, we must have an eye opened for the man who is gifted by God to help us. And it's not just one man. Every one of us must be gifted. Some of you are gifted to be very solid lieutenants in certain things. And it is something that you must understand is your calling. Without you, some things will not be done. Hallelujah. So, I know that human beings, you can become arrogant at times. And I see. So, I watch for it. How did I know it? It's a gift. You see, I was telling the pastor that for a long time, everything that happens, God tells me it's a gift. So, now... I've finished hearing it, and I'm now coming to tell you. So you'll find that I'm there, and God is trying to teach me. You see, you know how I get to know what we should be talking about? That when it comes, it's what you need to know for the journey ahead. You may enter your closet and fast for years, and you may not know anything. You see, but I just have to do this. I'm telling you. I just said, you come here and say, I'm coming. <laughs> no, he wants the title. <laughs> you come here and say, I'm coming. Because at that time, he's texting me that, what are we? I don't know. All that I know is that something is coming. At times, it's crystallized. My thousand crystallized. You see? And so at times, I can go forward and know the thing, and the message has not crystallized in my heart. It's a gift. It's a gift. Then I come and sit down for the thing to crystallize. And for many years, I waited for the day that it will backfire. Because you think that, ah, what is this? You see, so maybe it will backfire on you one day. You said, no, it doesn't backfire. It's a gift. So the work has to be spent on developing yourself and making your heart available and those things. When the gift is in operation, it's not. And normal. That's why you can't do some things. I'm telling you. You can't do it. It's somebody that does it. Oh. But there's also something you can do. I told you yesterday that at times the inferiority complex is because you have not found your own. If you found your own, like you leave those that have found their own alone and then push your own. Or your own is too small. It is because you have not pushed it. Anything that God gives, it has the ability to grow to become very big, including the things that are small. Now you say maybe you, you were put in the body, you are an armpit. <laughs> right? You are an armpit. So what is an armpit used for? It is used to hold dondo. This. <laughs> so that is all your use. You are used to hold dono 
But do you know what that armpit can become? You can develop that armpit and turn it into a mechanized armpit. Do you know a mechanized armpit? You can even develop a side that we will then remove the armpit from the armpit and have to make it into a factory. This before it's a small scale armpit, so it can fit under the armpit. But now we can turn it to look, anything that God gives it grows. You understand that? So, like, even me, I'm still growing the teaching gift. I'm still growing it. You see how if you stay here, except you close your head, you can't run away from the message. Do you see? It's as if I'm going round and round and round, but I'm talking to you. I tell you, you're running away, then I'm meowing you. It's as if somebody has come to tell me some nobody. It's a gift. It's a gift. I'm telling you, it's a gift. And it's important that it is explained to you. Now, if I give myself more and more to consecration, hey! do you see? Like maybe I'll become like Angel Obimin. I'll come into your dream and teach you. <laughs> do you see? And God shows you things. Well, I mean, God has shown me certain things that must happen when I'm teaching. One of them is deliverance. Do you see? One of them is deliverance. So in many cases, I don't even focus on what we'll do afterwards. As you are sitting there, you are being delivered. Do you see? It's not a man. Can a man do that? No. It's a gift. It's a gift. And it is in this gift that I stand here. Now, when a man has a gift for others, he himself then becomes the gift. Do you see? So Paul talks about how men are gifts unto the church. So if you have a gift from God for others, you, the package, share in the gift. So you also become a gift. So I stand here in a certain capacity that nobody can emulate. How will you do it? Dizzy, you too become your own. That's why I told you that no matter what you think you can learn on your own, and like I was about to say, some of you try it. At times, I see you, right, and I know where you are. You are in that arrogant phase where you have started knowing God for yourself in a deep way. Do you see? As part of being in that place, you start feeling like no man should teach you anything. Do you see? Yeah. But you discover very soon. You discover it. Some of you, let me tell you what will happen. God will tell you on your own and you find some things. But you will need others to fill in. Like, you'll be shocked. That is the system. I said in heaven, people teach there. Can God visit everyone one by one? Even in heaven, we are not in the flesh, right? So there's nothing blocking God. God should just come and say, my son. Because God can be found everywhere, so he multiplies himself if he sits before everybody. No, in heaven, we go to a church, we sit down, and somebody comes and teaches us. Yana Sana. Yeah. It's a gift. Hallelujah. It's a gift. It's just a gift. It's an endowment. This endowment, your own is also there. Then you don't have one, no. It's a combination of things. It's a combination of things. For instance, even me, 
one of the major things that pertain to my calling is to show people what they must be. Do you see? Like to help people find their calling. To help people identify what they've been called to be. Do you understand that? It's a gift. It may be that you too, you'll be in other people's life and that's not what you are doing. Do you get it? So do the one that God says you should do. Because what must be done is not just that people must be shown their calling. At times, when people don't find their calling, there are others that must just teach them to start looking for God. Then from there, we'll come to calling. And when you even find your calling, how to go about it, there's so much to be done. But for me, that's a gift that I have. Now, maybe you wonder why I'm telling you about all these things. That's one of the things that you must also do. What you are gifted with, it is important that others know. Hallelujah. So, because of that, it's very easy for me to know what people can become. It's very easy. To get close to them. You see, I can come and stand here and tell them, hey, what you will become, Charlie. But you don't know. But I sense it. Do you get it? And because of that, my prophetic is linked to that a lot. So I also operate the prophetic. But my prophetic is not some type of prophetic. Do you see? And you have to accept that your own prophetic, like maybe, I don't have the faith to call your phone number. You see, but I can be called, right? But I don't have the faith for it. If God is even showing me, I don't think I can embrace it. Like I see a number, I'll not be able to believe. Like when God starts showing me, I'll panic. I don't have the faith for it. I have the faith to see what people can become. You see? So even you have a certain anointing for the prophetic. It's not all prophetic. No. Even that one, there are varieties. There are diversities. Hallelujah. It's a gift. And all our labors in overcoming is so that we may be gifted. Because it is that gift, that's the name of God in you. It's that gift that men must benefit from. You'll be taking steps like normal people. That's why maybe a non-spiritual person will look at what I'm doing and say, ah, what is he doing? Do you see? Even his talking is not refined enough, which is intentional. Do you see? This is God is on me that, no. So if you see that I'm talking a rich, rich, for kind of. <laughs> you know that it's for a purpose. But my point is that you can see someone say, oh, is it not scripted they are explaining? Do you see? I can even give to you what I'm coming to preach. Without the gift. <laughs> that one cannot be given to God. That's me. That's the me element. My vessel, my unique vessel. You can't do anything about it. And it's the same with you. So one of the things that even as a leader, I learned to do is that I can't do everything. Right? To have people, to have men. So one of the things that I learned to do is to know what people are capable of. So, if we need this, this is where we go to. If we need somebody to do this kind of thing, is this person that is gifted to do it. You see? So we are laboring so that we'll be gifted. So that the name of the Lord will be placed in us. Hallelujah. 
So there's a supernatural element. And it's so true that even when you embrace what I'm teaching you, even in your dream when God is teaching you, I'll be the one to come and teach you. Oh, yes. It's not like Neo, but that's how God will come. Because that's my unique vessel. You understand that? That's how God will come. It's not me. I'm sleeping. Seriously. Yes. It's not like I travel. <laughs> no, 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 I'm sleeping. Look at that day. I didn't dream. Nothing. I just slept and morning came. But somehow God is unwilling to come as himself. <laughs> Why? Hallelujah. So that's how it works. And every one of us have gifts. Every one of us. I know you feel very dry, nothing, zero. <laughs> it's like that. It's like that because in yourself, what do you have? Hallelujah. In yourself, what do you have? That's why you, you must continue to labor. So that God may be found in you. Hallelujah. So that God may be found in you. Let me show you a scripture. So then it means that if I'm coming here to teach you, what I need to do is to organize myself so that the gift can work. Do you see? Yes, that's all. But there are things that if you don't overcome, the gift can work. And that's where God works on you. You see, Jesus said something. He said that, look, I'm divine. My father is the husband man. Every branch in me that bears fruit, my father prunes it so that it may bear much more fruit, right? He purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. What do you think this is? What's the first fruit and the second fruit? What's the first fruit that the branch bears? It's the fruit that we bear when we are trying to overcome. So, for instance, what I'm doing here, all that you see is that I'm trying to operate towards you, right? But there's an element of my operation, according to where I am spiritually, that I'm fighting myself to stay on track to do. Do you get it? Now, that is one fruit. Then there is the much more fruit, where in my fighting myself, there is transformation for me. And because of that, God is able to flow through me unhindered. But what I want you to see is that it's all about fruit. Do you see? It's all about fruit. Look, if you will be regenerated, find something to do for God. I know you know it's the truth. Find something you are doing for God. That is where the setup is. That is where opportunity for transformation is. Find something you are doing for God. Unless you sit there and calculate it. I don't like, I'm going to just do this for God. No. Find it. Search for it. Let God speak to your heart direct. And you see, at the end of this, you think that it's very difficult to come by. But it's not. It's not difficult to come by. To know. 
God wants you to know already or you don't know. God wants you to know. So it's not difficult to come by. But you must search. If you search with all your heart, you'll find it. If you don't know how to search for it with all your heart, God will help you to search for it with all your heart. That's why we spend some weeks discussing some of these things. So you don't think that, ah, you they are deficient to, you they can't find anything. No, God will help you. If you want to be regenerated, find something that you have to know for God. Because a lot of your transformation will be in that. I'm not saying start a cell, even though starting a cell is powerful. I'm saying do it unto the Lord. Find a boss. Find a boss. That's true. Ezekiel chapter 48, verse 29. Now, in this scripture, even the verses before, the prophet is talking about how God is dividing the land unto the people of Israel. You get it? The land of promise. Now, prophetically, it's not the people of Israel. It's the church. Hallelujah. It's the church. Prophetically. So let's follow. This is the land which ye shall divide by lot unto the tribes of Israel for inheritance. So you think that inheritance means that I take it, I put it in my pocket and I chill with it, right? No. You find out. And these are their portions, saith the Lord. Now, these portions are portions of God. Hallelujah. Portions of God. Portions of God. No tribe inherited all the promised land. Everyone had their portion. And even in one tribe, if we give you this place as your portion, then we share it among the people in the tribes, the families in the tribes. So everyone had their peace, their portion. And that's how heaven is. Heaven, there are communities, right? Everyone in their community. And within the community, everyone in their space. Portion. Hallelujah. All right. This is the land which he shall divide by lot unto the tribes of Israel for inheritance. And these are their portions, saith the Lord God. And these are the goings out of the city on the north side. So God is showing how it is. Okay, so four square. 4,500 measures on the north. And the gates of the city shall be after the names of the tribes of Israel. Three gates northward. One gate of Reuben, one gate of Judah, one gate of Levi. And at the east side, 4,500. And three gates. And one gate of Joseph, one gate of Benjamin. One gate of Dan. And at the south side, 4,500 measures. And three gates. One gate of Simeon. One gate of Issachar. One gate of Zebulon. And at the west side, 4,500 with three gates. One gate of Gad. One gate of Asher. And one gate of who? Naphtali. It was round about 18,000 measures. And the name of the city from that day shall be what? So this is where we come to. What's the name of the city? The Lord is there. I want you to look at the construction well. 
who is saying that the Lord is there? Because if the people in the city are saying, they'll say the Lord is here. Right? So who is saying the Lord is there? It is the one that benefits, right? So if I stand to benefit, then I'll say the Lord is there. And so that is where I go to benefit. The Lord is there. And that is the name of that city. When it is divided among the children of Israel and everyone obtains their portion, this is the understanding that the Lord is there. We don't look for God anywhere else when he is expressed through us individually. Because in whichever way that we are looking for God, there is a man that will manifest that. There is a man that God has placed his name in that will manifest. There is a gifted man. There is a man that is endowed by God. In the same way, if we are looking for God and we cannot find God, then it means that the men and the women that were meant to express God have not given themselves to consecration to allow for God to be expressed. So like you see our nation, where we are going, it is as though God cannot be found. Do you see? At times, we can sit there and we can know if we were God, what we would do. Do you understand that? Somebody said, if you're going, just knock the president's head and then maybe you fall down because he's already old, right? No. That's not how it works. So when men discover that God cannot be found, the first thing that they must do is that they must begin to build a temple for God. And the first temple is themselves. Then, according to how God is expressed through them, they will help in the building of the other temples. So, for instance, if I see that God wants to do things, he must build men, right? But the first thing is that I must give myself to be built, not because I just want to be built, but because God will build men through me. Do you see? God will build men to. That's why I have to give myself. So in this our country, we can cry all the tears. We can cry. Have you cried about Ghana yet? We can cry. We can arrest the city. No, you just need to look at other countries where not people also crying to God that their economy collapsed. Some people were praying there. The answer to prayers is that men are sent by God. When Jesus looked at the multitude, he said, the field is white. He said, the harvest is at hand. But what was the recommendation? Because the laborers are few, our prayer is that eh, the Lord of the harvest will send more laborers. 
more laborers. So when we pray to God about Ghana, the solution is that a man must rise. And that man has to be you first. A man must rise who gives himself or herself for consecration that what Ghana needs, which is a university, that allowed God to deposit himself. Why didn't I appear in the U.S.? Well, you don't know that there's a reason why you have appeared here. Huh? You don't know? There should be a reason, please. Or it's random. Paul said that God determines the boundaries of the habitations of men. You see? So, it means that then the answer will be in a man rising, a woman rising, and giving themselves to consecration so that they will contribute what God wants to contribute to them. And the more they perfect that contribution, the more clearly God is seen through them. And the more many people rise up to express God, the more collectively the presence of God is intensified in a place. So we can only say God is here when men are expressing him in diverse ways. When no man is rising, God cannot be found. So at times, certain bad things can happen in certain places, and it is not because God looked at it and said that I will not mind these people. It is because those that were to be at post when such things are beginning to happen were not at post. They were busily sorting themselves out and their own ambitions out. So God was not factored into their lives. And because of that, they were not gifted by God in such a way that they can handle what it is that is happening. Those that must be at post. So you don't place the blame on God. But God is churning out people and there's always a purpose. He has made it such that even illegitimate sex produces human beings. Yes. And every human being that is born, it is God that allowed that person to become a human being. So much of God to express. See that multitude of human beings in this earth, but we can't find God in a big way. Do you see? Imagine our numbers. <laughs> it's just human beings here. If we could find God individually and express it. You are crying about our leaders, right? But are we not those who choose them? Do they not come from amongst us? Are they not products of our failed society? Do you see? So where is God? Why is it that God is in some places more than others? And it's as though in some places God decided to like them. And in some quarters, why are there famines in places? Why? Why are there famines? Are there famines because 
there's no food around. Are there famines? Then a man will turn around and say, if there was a God, has he not seen these things? And I'm saying that the Joseph that God sent to deliver the people out of the famine, when he was coming, he passed somewhere. Do you see? I remember when we were in school, went to watch Schools athletics. And then we were watching 400 meter race. Four by four is my best race. But this is 400 meter race. And then when they start, you see how you start, you start moving, you start moving. But the most difficult part is when you get to the 200 part. You have to cut in to come to the 100. You get it. There was a guy who, when he got to the 200, what kind of air come from? <laughs> Is that Italian? Oh, <laughs> all the air in the world is not sufficient. So that place is St. Augustine School Park. In that one, there's the hospital side there. The guy continued. <laughs> so you see, we are watching that you finish your race, right? So that you can be of benefit. But when we checked 100 meters approaching the line, the guy was not inside. He continued <laughs> in that direction, you see. And that is what some saviors have done. They have allowed the curse of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lusts. They have allowed such things to burden them so much that they have abandoned their schooling to take a certain place in society. They have abandoned it. So when God is needed, there's no man. In the church, ah, the church is like that place that, like when we meet, do you see? Like, the place is shaking, vibrating, because everybody is bringing God, do you understand? In a unique way. He. What happens? So even amongst the people in church, you find that many people are still following after the world and have abandoned their post. But we don't want to continue with it. I want to continue. We want to continue abandoning our post. No. We want to rise up. Because someone else is counting on you. Some of us, when we talk of fasting, what we mean is that we are fasting because our money hasn't come. We are fasting because God must heal us. We are fasting because of what? We need a job. Yeah? To marry. We need a child. Seeking the face of God. See, we've turned things upside down. We've turned things upside down. You must be fasting for others. You see, one of the most difficult times for me is a member stands before me with a problem that I can't solve. I mean, one of the things that I don't do is to try and solve a problem I don't have faith to solve. I'll keep quiet. 
But what do we go and do? We go and look for God. So you find that we are busily searching and it is not so that we will become anything. It is so that somebody will have a solution. We are praying, looking for a particular anointing because there is a need that has been created and we see that it is us that must meet the need. And if we don't rise to meet it, there's going to be a problem. God cannot be found. And I pray that we will understand this. There's so much we can do and we can be. There are so many gifts that are tailored for you as an individual that you must assume endowment for the profit of others. That is your life. That is a spiritual life. Now, the final thing. You see, one of the questions that I always have is that why is the temple in Jerusalem? Because clearly in scripture, there is a place called Zion. But it's as if Zion too is not a place. You look for where Zion is. It's there. Do you understand? No, well, in scripture too, I know that Jerusalem is the intermediate heaven. So why is it that it is there that the temple dwells? And it is because when it comes to God endowing men, the purpose is causes. The purpose for endowment is always causes. It means that when we speak of temple, God is trying to do something. So if he fills the temple, it is so that he can do something. Please understand that. And the intermediate term is the point of going forth to do. It's the point of causes. So that what does not appear may be caused to appear. What is not may be caused to be. Please understand that. That is the realm. So if a man will be a temple, the Bible speaks of him as one in the intermediate place. Why? Because it is from that place that God moves to act. And that's an important thing. Because at times, when you understand these dynamics, you become sure as to what God is really doing. So the Bible says that we are the temple of God Temple is in the realm of causes. It's not a temple to her. I contain God. So God will be solving my issues, my personal issues. Men come to worship at the temple. And worship is not to bow down. It is to look for God. When we are looking for God, we must let go of ourselves. We must bow. So men will look for God from you. And that is what God is trying to get your attention about. So the name of the place shall be that the Lord is there. And I pray that that shall be our names individually. That indeed the Lord is there. The Lord is there. The Lord is there. 